So we're joined now by John Good, uh, one of the most handsome musician in South Wales Award 2020. Hello, John. Hello, Steve. Thank you for the introduction. <laughs> it's uh, really nice to see you again. Um, you know, we, 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 we have been sort of quite uh, good friends, really, over the years because of what we were doing. But now, now you're doing something else. Just to say, we did work together at the University of South Wales. What was, what was your role there again, John, to do popular music? So um, my role at the University of South Wales, I headed up the ICMP programs there. I was academic manager for that. And I became mm. course leader for the Beamers and Contemporary Music Performance. And prior to that, I was course leader for the Foundation Degree in Music Industry Entrepreneurship. Okay, so ICMP is Institute for Contemporary Music Production or something like that, is it? Music Performance. Yeah, music yeah. Performance, okay. So I mean, what I remember working with you then is um, lots of smiley faces, lots of positivity, lots of fun. People looking like they enjoyed it. Your students were, were having, you know, I'm, I mean, genuinely, yeah, a really just a buzzy atmosphere. And of course, I work with some of your students and work with them on radio interviews, etc. Do you know if any of them have managed to kind of break through and start to make it at all? Uh, well, I, I follow quite a few of them on Instagram and on Facebook. And I have to be honest, the vast majority of them are working in the music industry in some capacity, whether Great. that's in whether that's in local bands or perhaps going further afield. And I've met up with a couple as well since leaving university and they've talked through their plans and. Yeah, they're a talented bunch for sure, and they uh, yeah. they certainly have the world at their feet, so to speak. Yeah, um, and, and they're young as well. You know, I mean, it's just not fair, really, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but 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 you've done well over the years as a musician, and you, and you've you've you, I mean, you've toured the world and played all over the place, haven't you? Uh, tell yeah. tell us about some. I know Sean Evans, people like that. people. Who who have you worked with over the years? Oh crikey! So so. Do you want to go from the beginning or do you just want yeah, to go on? Like yeah, talk me through from the beginning. So very quickly from the beginning, because I, yeah. I was, uh, like I said to you, Steve, because you interview people in their middle age, there's quite often quite a lot to talk about. So I'll, I'll whistle stop talk through it. But at the age of six, my father bought me a piano. I remember three of his mates put it on a trolley, uh, pushed it three miles <laughs> to the house, and I started playing piano at home. He used to make me sit down and practice half hour a day. I used to play, uh, I used to play some classical music, but I was always keen on playing popular music and so on and so on. And uh, in school, then I picked up the tuba. I played in brass bands, orchestras, wind wow. bands, and so on. And then by the age of 14, my father bought me my first bass. And uh, I played in a punk band. So we played in this punk band in the garage. We did a couple of gigs. It's real stereotypical, but it's true. And uh, I actually, looking back, I actually thought we were all, we were all right, although I'm sure the neighbours the neighbors wouldn't agree with that. So, so I, kind of, I kind of failed at school. Uh, school didn't really work out for me, so I went back to college uh, to get some GCSEs. I went to St. David's College, uh, and there I did my first gig at the Bristol Hotel on Penarth Road uh, with a soul band sold out. Uh, okay. and, and basically from there, I started working in the docks. I worked at the Ivana Bakery. I was a forklift truck driver, and I was wow. doing covers and stuff like that. Wow. So, so I, was, I was playing in covers bands, plus... Mm. Uh, Plus, plus work, and then when, and then one day, my my father. I was really lucky to have a supportive uh, parent. My Definitely. father sat down to me, and he said, "You know, the two most important things in life are um, music and the arts. Yeah. Everything else you do just fills in the time." So he said, "Why don't you go back to college and and study music?" So I went off to Neath College. Uh, at the time, they were doing a popular music course, mm. and uh, I went there. I met, met some absolutely amazing tutors. Um, the tutors down there. Richard Locks, Martin Webbers, Alan Good, Alan Lockyer, mm. Kevin Dunn, who's Bonnie and Tyler's bass player. Wow. And uh, during this time of going to college, I subsidized it by playing solo piano around Cardiff. So for three or four nights a week, I was playing in the Royal Hotel, the Marriott Hotel, Pierre Victoire. I was just, I was just gigging, just playing solo piano, making myself, making myself some money. Alongside that, I'm still playing punk music and still playing, playing all of that. And I get a, finally get a call. Uh, to play a cafe jazz, which is uh, now up opposite the castle, you know, yeah. at the time the four yeah. bars in. And there's a guy there called Andy Moll. And uh, I was playing bass that evening and I was dreading it because I knew that I wasn't very good because I'd only played in punk bands and so on. <laughs> and, um, and at the end of it, he couldn't stop laughing, Andy Moll. Andy Moll is a local guitarist who played with all sorts of bands. And he was really well respected. He was brilliant at what he did. And he was laughing. He came up to me at the end and he said, you know, so that was dreadful. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I felt dejected beyond belief, you know. And he said, but he looked me straight in the eye and he said, but I'll see you next week. And what he did then, he kind of, every time I went back to play with him, he was giving yeah. me pointers, he was giving me hints and tips. He was saying, try this, try that, think about this, think about that. And because I played piano and I was also playing jazz piano and so on, 
I was starting to get into that a little bit more. So he was yeah. he was a real pillar for me when I was younger, for sure. He took me, he kind of looked after me for a period of time and, and really helped me in that process. So then from there, then I started playing in the house band at Cafe Jazz mm. for many years, and I played in many local bands like Doctor Maybe. Played in bands like uh, the Hipsters, Rain Dance. I played in Wasse. Uh, and I played with Rob Taylor at the Inn on the River. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember Rob Taylor, yeah. Down by the tap. Mm. And then from all of that, I started playing at the Toucan Club, where I met Simon Kingman. Oh, okay. A, yeah. a lifelong friend of Just mine. Just across the river. Yeah, so yeah. I started playing there. And, mm. you know, we've worked together for the last 25 years. He's definitely a lifelong friend. We've talked yes. together, we've toured together, and we've gigged together and so on. So I played there for a, quite a few times throughout the week. It was fantastic, because Cardiff didn't have anything... Um, like look, that that sits, boy, Biami, sure. look, look at that handsome boy Biami looked at. Look at that handsome boy Biami looked. Look at that. That's Peter Gabriel's studio that is in Bath. That's uh is it? that was a recording we did with Sean, yeah. Wow. So can I end with your story, John? I just saw put a picture in the background. Not at all. And then and then I went to the St. Davis Hotel down the bay where we were playing five times five times a week at some point, still doing cafe jazz. So at this point, hmm. I'm doing lots I'm doing lots of playing, residencies and playing jazz and, and so on. Yeah. And then I ended up playing uh, Hammond organ and Fender Roads for Ether, the, the Welsh band Ether. Did you? And we went on tour. Wow. I was on the Elizabethic tour with them. Wow. Can I just say, John, I don't know whether you, sorry, just, this is just, I think you like this. I don't mean to be rude, but I just I think, think you like it. Rory, I interviewed Rory uh, about two or three weeks ago, and we went back through his career. And it was just a brilliant conversation. So it's on the Keep Cardiff Live site. Have a look. I think you really like it. I didn't yeah, know he did that. He's superb, Rory. Yeah, he? great. Yeah, he's he? still, I bumped into him not so long ago, and he's still, he's still fantastic at what he does. He's, uh, yeah. He's and a lovely guy, too. He is, absolutely. Yeah. He's definitely a talent. So I was, uh, so I was coming back from, we finished, finished doing those gigs, um, and then I, was still rec- I started recording album, albums for local artists and, and for, for jazz and funk and that. And then uh, by the age of 19, I guess my life took a little bit of a twist. Uh, I, don't know if I, I don't know if you want me to, to share Yeah, that. please. You can edit this in properly though, Steve, right? <laughs> now I've stopped my flow. If I'm, if I'm talking too much, you must say No, right? no, please carry on. It's great. I'm, I'm, I'm learning loads about you. <laughs> so for me, from the age of 19, I don't need, you know, my, I've, always had, I've always had faith. You know, I've, I've always, I've always had uh, had a, this this inherent faith within me. And at the age of nineteen, I think my life kind of changed slightly. And this this is a photograph which comes out of this story, actually. The great, great. Okay. Uh, I used to go, I used to go surfing loads. And at the age of nineteen, uh, I was down Southern Down, mm. and uh, we were waiting for sets. You know what sets are when you're surfing, waiting yeah, yeah. for waves to come in, and you can catch certain ones and all this. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of questioned myself. I found myself questioning how this works. And then from that point on, I became really inquisitive about how all of this works, how nature works and how everything else kind of works. And I kind of went on this journey to find out a little bit more about that. And I ended up, I ended up going to church, a church in Cardiff called City Temple. And uh, it led me to explore this idea of an overall creator. And uh, yeah. I really believe that kind of God was speaking to me through nature. So I started reading the teachings of Jesus and basically it transformed my life. And it kind of set me on this path, which you couldn't really make up. So, so I started, I started going to church and engaging in that and, and really following, following the teachings of Jesus. And I became, I became a Christian, which, I, which I'm still uh, involved with heavily today, obviously. Yeah. And I think sometimes people, call, uh, people talk to you about being called when it comes to going to church. But, you know, for me, that doesn't mean that you have to be a pastor or a Billy Graham or anything like that. It means becoming all that God's called you to be and someone who puts him first in everything that you do. So at that point in my life, that's what I started to do. So I had this, I had this, uh, this real moment and encounter with God, and I started going down this path. So I'm still playing, I'm still touring, and I'm still gigging and doing. You still of a those punk? Things. Were you still a punk? I wasn't still a punk, but um, I do bear this. I do bear. I do bear some of the scars of it still, which yes. is absolutely fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got I got married quite quickly to Claire after mm-hmm. after six weeks. Wow. We got engaged and then we wow. got married. We're still married. We have two amazing boys. And we kind of wow. always looked at life as a little bit of an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I started venturing into education. Uh, I was still gigging full time. But then I got myself uh, an education degree to help subsidize some of that as well. Because when you have a family and children, it's not always the, uh, it's not always the, prime, the prime job to have if you're trying yeah. to have something consistent. Mm-hmm. So in my mid-20s, Steve, should I carry on or should I? 
can you tell me how the picture behind me now, how does that, how does that tie into what you're talking about? It does. So, so in my mid-20s, I started mm. playing with Mike Doyle, who's a, a local, local artist around here. We started doing theatre tours. So I've been in his band for the last, the last 18 years, and we're mm. we still gig and tour, and we released a couple of singles that have sold a quarter of a million or something like that. So, wow. so I'm still playing that. But I started playing in church, and uh, I started using my skills in church. So I was playing in church on a Sunday, but I was also recording albums, playing at various conferences and so on. And we used to play in val- churches up the valleys, and we used to play the CIA in Cardiff, for instance, with different, with different artists and different worship bands and so on. Hmm. And then uh, that picture behind was taken just before I went on my first tour to the States, where uh, we, did, we did a three-week tour in America with some worship artists over there, with some guys from uh, Indiana and from Canada as well. And I went over there playing, playing bass and some, and some second keys as well. So that, that picture was the promo picture from, from right. that tour. You looked like you're really in the zone there. You know, you're one of these bass players. What, what, what do you do with that fifth string? I mean, what's, all, you know, what's our fifth string all about? You know? Yeah, we can talk about that. It's actually, it's actually a debate with the guys that I'm teaching at the moment. Um, in, in terms of equipment and that, I tend to play a four string and I go out with a Moog synth bass to, to play the bottom end because oh, yeah. for, me, for me, it's far more controllable that yeah. way than to play. You know, you have to spend a lot of money on a five string bass to get, to get that fifth string sounding, not sounding flappy and to make it sound great. And, my, my, my friend and business partner next door is a mix engineer. And he always tells me, he always says the same thing about fifth string. So four strings. If you can't do it on a four, you can't do it. I always, I always laugh and say to my students. Just going to ask you about that, John, as well. With, um, I mean, like the left hand kind of thing, you know, with, with, with uh, keyboards and whatever. I've just been reading the Brian Wilson book, uh, which is, I don't know if you've, if you've, if you've read it, um, uh, that book. I am Brian Wilson. We can see, you can't see on the screen because you can see it there, possibly. I am Brian Wilson, and he's talking about that, you know, with the Beach Boys about how the kind of the, talking about the Moog actually. He's talking about how that kind of really low kind of sub bass territory, you know, which 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 filters into the music. Um, it, 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 does that affect your? Is that in your mind at all when you're bass playing the sort of left hand action on the keyboard and the bass because you do both things? Yeah, do you know so what I mean? What I do is when we when we go on tour. Uh, mm. at the moment which we'll come on to about playing with uh, Sean and Koshin but when we go on tour there's some tracks which are quite poppy so so I play I play bass for that and then uh for the drum and bass stuff the electronic stuff I tend to play I, then, I tend to just play the Moog okay but I run I run the Moog and the bass through the same effects processes and, and so on so that so you get this absolutely ginormous sound and it is it's fantastic you know the the Moog is, is a brilliant piece of kit to take everywhere with you so I mean, if you're a bass player out there, I would definitely advise you learn to play bass synth as well. It's it's absolutely, you know, as you as you as different artists that I played with and toured with, they always say do play synth as well. So that's something that I uh, that I feel yeah. fortunate enough to be able to do because I've, I've spent years playing piano as well at the same time. Yeah, I mean, because I, I was I was interested. One of the questions I was going to ask you, you've already answered it, but I was kind of interested because I've only really known you as a bass player. I knew you played keyboards as well, but it's in, the, the, but the piano came first, so. It was our left-hand stuff that was going on before it, you know, became part yeah, of the, the, the bass. Yeah, the reason that that's important for me is because by, by relating it to, to the piano, you're relating everything to harmony. You're understanding how harmony works. You're understanding how melody fits. And when you know that, you understand what your role as a bass player more because you're able, you're able to play. It's, also, it's always about playing for the song rather than necessarily just playing, playing chops. And I think you've done a great job as a bass player. If people will notice when you're not playing. Yeah. It's that kind of, it's that kind of vibe. Yeah, that's true. When you are. Um, I, I'll bring you on to the lady who's behind my left shoulder in a second. Yep. You might recognize. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing with the bass player, I was listening to something the other day, and I can't remember what it was now, but it was to do with, to do with bass. And the bass guitar, you know, and uh, don't misinterpret me now, because, you know, I, I don't mean it. I, I, I've got so much respect for, for bass players as musicians. I really do, yeah. But they are kind of quite often the forgotten, the kind of the forgotten one, you know, in, in the bands, even more so than, than drummers, really, bass players. I was listening to this thing the other day, and there's this fantastic bass line going on, right? Uh, really quite funky stuff, like uh, Wrecking Crew kind of sound, you know? That was going on. And then the drums come in, and then all of a sudden it's, like, it's in the mix, but you know it's kind of there. It's still doing that thing. But it's not kind of front of house, you know. Yeah, I don't know how you no, feel about that as a bass player. That's fine. That's why you play bass, I think, because you don't you don't really want to be center of attention or anything like that. And I also, for me, I just love it because you can add something something of value, which, like I said, without it, you'd notice that it was missing. Definitely, it's one, it's one of those instruments that blend into the overall mix. But it's not. No one's no one's really looking at you whatsoever, which is absolutely fine. 
but from a musical point of view, I find it quite interesting because you're able to, to create something, create something uh, really solid and unique for yourself. Yeah, that you're, that you're underpinning everything else that's going on. But in terms of the drummer, I mean, you're only as good as your drummer. Ultimately, if you've got a weak drummer, then the band will sound pretty weak, to be perfectly honest. So, yeah. So uh, I think drummers, I think drummers are probably more important. Can you believe that? Can you believe that I'm actually saying? I'm that? not. I can't in believe term, you're saying that. In terms that, yeah. of when people yeah. notice you, is what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> but it is. I mean, it's very much you know the ba- that you know because it like with 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 Sean with Kashin, it's it's, it's it's you know literally drum and bass. You know, it's that kind of amalgam between the drum and bass that that's kind of where it's at isn't it rhythmically pretty well yeah absolutely i mean i mean the band's the band player playing with sham we've got uh, mitch glover on kit uh mitch with the original drummer from cochine as well mm. he's played with all sorts of other other signed artists now and he's fantastic he just plays he just plays everything that's required for the song uh in a very straightforward way and it just works and it just fits you know he's he's definitely yeah. a machine yeah. if only all drummers were like that if only all drummers were like that. Just play what's required and lock it down. Yeah, and stop doing those flipping solos when we're not playing. You know, what's all that about, you know? <laughs> Tell me about Sean Evans working with Sean uh, and Kashin. Um, because I suppose you said, when, when you started in, you, in your story, you'd gone to the States, you'd started to play on sort of within the kind of Christian kind of uh, scene, I suppose, but, you know, quite a, quite a big level. I'm guessing that led you into working professionally within bands. Is that how it worked? Yeah. So basically, um, I was obviously I was obviously still playing lots of lots of different gigs and so on. But when I came back from the states, I hooked up with a with a singer from Pontypridd called Kat Woolridge. Uh, she's super talented, and we mm. kind of set out something to to resource the local church, so to speak. So we started we started this band, and we started doing some training and so on the local area and from that we did lots of we did lots of gigs we did lots of lots of recordings we played lots of events we worked for the, you know we did lots of recordings for the bbc and so on then we mm. recorded two albums we signed a record deal we recorded two albums we signed a publishing deal uh for the songs which uh which is still out there today and she continues to head that up and it's it's absolutely fantastic so so definitely give that a check out Sign yeah Wales. And then from that, for me, I was, I was working at the university. I was doing my, my master's in, in, in worship music. I was traveling across to the States yeah. and so on and so on. And yeah. uh, so life was kind of getting consumed a little bit. With, I suppose with I should research. say we both, we, both, we both did that qualification at the same time, didn't we? That's, that's what these gray hairs are yeah. here yeah. Are from, Steve. That's, yeah. that's for certain. But uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great experience working with, with Paul Carr on that for sure. And then when I came back, uh, whilst I was doing that and, and I was still playing occasionally, I had a phone call from, from my long friend Simon Kinley to say, hey, Sean Evans is playing in a, in a pub in the Vale. Uh, do you fancy coming along and playing some bass? And I said, yeah, sure. So it was a covers kind of, kind of gig and we did some really cool songs, really some really cool numbers. And then after that, I had a phone call from him to say, hey, listen, I understand you play piano as well. Um, we're doing an acoustic band where we have, uh, we play the Cochine songs uh, acoustically so can you come up to london and and play with the rest of the guys yeah there it is. so so i went up to london i played with her acoustic band and they asked me to play at bristol with them and then literally from there the whole thing just started because the next gig after bristol was st petersburg where we we flew out to russia and started wow. playing and and so on and then as as we started progressing through uh, the gigs became electronic gigs so for those then i jumped on the bass and i was playing synth bass Wow. And uh, I've been playing, I think it's six years that I've been playing, playing alongside Sean and that. And, you know, mm. they're all fantastic friends. Ron on guitar, Ron McElroy, uh, like, like I said about Mitch Glover. And obviously Sean is an amazing front person. She's a fantastic singer. She's, uh, she's a real ball of energy. And, uh, and, you know, you can't help but get swept along with the energy that she creates on stage. Yes. That's absolutely fantastic. She's got and, a know, big personality, that's for sure. Pardon? She's got a big personality, that's for sure. Yeah, she's fantastic. And, yeah. and basically, we played at stadiums, arenas and venues all across, all across yeah. Europe, you know, UK, Russia, Ukraine, you know, Belarus, Belgium, Germany, France, Switzerland, Holland, Austria, Romania, Hungary, wow. Croatia, Slovakia, Poland, Czech Republic. We've just been, been all over. And I think, I think before this lockdown, I think last year, I'd done, I'd done over 50 flights, you know, and lots of that was, was playing yeah. with... Uh, playing with Sean so so yeah it's fantastic I do love it it's a great you know there's some really cool gigs and she is absolutely fantastic at what she does for sure so Kashin I mean Kashin had I think one particularly big hit in 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 the UK charts uh was it louder is that right 
maybe. So louder one? was was Sean Evans with DJ Fresh. Okay, yeah, that was that was a number. That was one. big, wasn't it? It was big, but they they've had also. I mean, Hydro. It's interesting when you go to lots mm. of these places, everyone's singing along. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it, and it's great because some of those songs could be twenty years old, but they've stood the test of time because people mm. people still people still come up with their album sleeves and ask it to sign them, and people are still singing the songs and so on. So, yeah, it's fantastic. The band sounds sounds fab. Um, mm. We've got our own sound guy as well. He's he does an amazing job, and yeah, everywhere we go, it's uh, it's really well received. So how big a Kashin then? In the, you're saying like Eastern Europe in particular, I suppose, but you know, like massive stadiums we're talking here, yeah? We played uh, we played the Sochi Olympic Stadium a few years back. Um, we played ice hockey arenas. We played obviously obviously lots of festivals. Mm. Um, but then we also we've also we also play clubs, and I think what's absolutely fantastic for me is whether you're playing a club or whether you're playing in a large arena. It's exactly the same. You know what the band bring is exactly the same. There's no difference. You know, mm. if we were playing, if we we're playing for you now, it'd be exactly the same as if you were, if you were playing and on one of those big venues. Talking about Simon there behind, you just want to show one one more person. This who puts puts put this person up as well. So behind me there, Dion. do you reckon like that 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 young lady? Yeah. So I met Dion over twenty years ago at the Tupac yeah. Club. Unfortunately, we're still still lucky to play with Simon and Dion in the Pepper Seeds. Yes. Um, which was was still around around Cardiff gigging and so on. And that's uh, yeah, she's she's fantastic as well for sure. She's got uh, an awesome voice, hasn't she? She's got a fantastic voice and uh, and yeah, she's just she's just got it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. And and when Dion walks into a room, you, you notice, you know. Oh, absolutely. She's told she told everyone else to start with. <laughs> but she's got she's got an amazing voice. Yeah, and yeah. she's real good fun to work with as well. I bet she is. Yeah. So the Pepper Seeds, I mean, you, you, you play quite small venues with them, but um, and that's a different kind of buzz altogether, I suppose, is it? Yeah, that's that. You know, one of the reasons you go into music is to play music with your mates and have a great time, right? And uh, yeah. I get, I, that's, that's basically what that band is. We're all friends mm. in that band. Uh, totally, really respect all the other musicians in that band. And we just get together, have a great laugh, play some great grooves. And I, I just come home from it, just really thoroughly enjoying myself. So, you know, yeah. it's... It comes back to what we were saying earlier. Whether whether you're in a big a big venue or a small venue, it makes it makes no difference. If you love what you do, you love what you do. How's it? Do you remember a time when you when when you did just I don't know a, a really big gig, and you thought, "Blimey, I've kind of made it." You know, here I am. This is it. <laughs> you know, there must have been was it one gig you thought, "I can't believe I'm doing this." Has that ever happened to you? I don't know. I don't know if it's a case of I don't know. I don't know what made it means to be honest. I think. That, well, I you mean, know, you're, in the, you're in the big league, aren't you? You're playing in those big, you know, big stadiums and you know, big crowds. You know. Yeah, but on the flip side, it's also still coming back to that. To that, I'm not, I'm not trying to be humble about it. It's true that you still, if you're playing with your mates and you're enjoying it, then then that's what it's about. And you know, whether yeah. people are watching, lots of people are watching or not. I mean, I've had highlights. Obviously, playing with Sean is a massive highlight because we do some amazing, we do some amazing gigs. I've been out to Dubai to play gigs. Uh, I went on tour with Zervis and Pepper. You know. Um, yeah. And tell me about are, that a bit. They're amazing. They were amazing. I was I was blown away by that actually. Because Simon's bass. involved there again, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I played uh, played bass and did some backing vocals for them as well, and they were they were like football stadiums in Germany. And, oh, lovely. Uh, yeah, that, that was quite an eye-opener thinking, especially when they point to you and say, can you soundtrack your vocals? And I'm kind of thinking, yeah, that's, uh, I wonder how this is going to sound compared to everyone else in the band, you know, but, uh, yeah. but that was cool. And then I also played with, um, with my mate Sam Blake from London quite a bit uh, from Elim Sound. We do some writing, recording and playing together as well. So, mm. so yeah, so, so when you say, when you say made it, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that's a... I didn't mean that in a kind of a poncy way. I just mean, you know... Oh, no, I, mean, I get it. I'm just... I've never yeah. played a big gig, you know. I, do, I mean, I've played the Globe once, you know. <laughs> Great venue. <laughs> it you know. was quite big. But, I, I, you know, it's going on a major stage and all the background stuff going on and, you know, the, 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 the tent situation and the riders and all this stuff, you know. Never been there. Never done it, you know. Yeah, I think the first time we did it, um, I did it. I can't, I'm trying to think where we were. It might have, it might have been Russia. And uh, there was probably about thirty-five thousand or forty thousand people there, or something. And, wow. uh, yeah, I definitely walked on the stage and thought, "Oh man, I wish I'd practiced these songs more." You know, I wish. I... <laughs> but yeah. you know, it was it was it was it was a great experience. I'm not going to deny. It. And and I think life's about experiences and yeah. about you know fulfilling like being on an adventure and fulfilling all those things. And so I, I'm super grateful that I've had the opportunity to do that, and uh, I don't take it for granted whatsoever. 
And well, I mean, really knowing you uh, as I do, uh, you know, uh, enough to make comments like this. I mean, what I really like about you, John, amongst the things I like about you, I just you got you've, you've just got a total love of life, you know, and that really comes across. It really does, you know. Oh, just you true. just you just love your life which is how great is that well, you seem to i love i love what i do i love people yeah. i love yeah. seeing i love seeing other people achieve and it sounds a bit corny but i do i think that's one of the reasons why yeah. I got well, that's why teaching works isn't it you know absolutely and i just yeah. i just uh yeah no i like i love hanging out with people i just love i just love trying first does mm. that make sense if someone says we're going to do something and it's a first for me i'm like oh yeah let's try it let's do it you know? yeah well, that's great. I mean, that's a, that's a great attitude. I think um, sometimes I can't, that can not always work as well as you like, but it, it's, it's a good attitude to have, I think, to try to try stuff, you know. Steve, I've lost you. Have you? Am I still here? Oh, man. Oh, shit. I'm still here. You there? Yeah. Can you not hear me? Okay. Don't worry. Can you see me? Oh, I can hear you now. You're back on. All right. You're okay. Yeah. All right. I'll let I'll, I'll, I'll it though. Um, so this this love of life right and this this kind of wish to try new things to meet new people has led you into quite a different career path yeah so yeah. and i've looked at the stuff you sent me some links to stuff it looks absolutely amazing tell me all about it and is this kind of your thing you driving this yeah so basically um i think i said to you that since i was quite young that my my music and my faith have always been intertwined so to speak in my uh, mm. as with my life and so I've always, like I say, I've always been going to church and always been, I've always been uh, playing there and so on. And, you know, in uh, 2016, a friend of mine got a job with a church in Kampala. Um, and he said, hey, listen, I've got this job with Watoto Church in Uganda. And I was on the phone saying, yeah, that's great. You know, I knew he was going for a job. And he said, why don't, why don't you connect with these guys? And I was kind of like going, wow, you know, so, you, know you play, you play worship music. So why don't you connect with these guys? And I said, okay. So, uh, so I, uh, so I did. I had a couple of Skype meetings with, uh, with a chap called James Skinner, um, who's part of the leadership of Toto Church hmm. in Kampala. And we talked on Skype a couple of times and we hit it off and we're great friends. You know, we chat, we chat all the time. And now when I go out there, that we stay with him. So he said, why don't you come over and see what we do? So I spoke to my wife and, you know, Claire, and she, she's always been like this as well. She goes, yeah, just go, get on a plane and go. So I got on a plane, I flew to Entebbe, never been to that part of Africa in my life got off he picked me up and, and i hung out with him for a week just to see what Watoto does and uh i think it's safe to say that i was i was blown away and because you'd taken that first step because it was a first and i said mm. well let's just go and do it my life took another another change of direction so to speak what's special about Watoto church it's the sheer it's the sheer scale of of how they impact their local community their nation and their nations and i think that's all down to the obedience of their founding pastor from canada who moved to war-torn kampala in the 80s and set up this english-speaking church hmm. in downtown kampala so give, let me give you a, a rough overview of, of watoto church so hmm. they send out a uh, hundred choirs they've sent out over a hundred choirs in the last number of years which have literally uh, played the churches they played for the queen they've been to the white house and so on and as a congregation of 34,000 people, they have uh, 13 campuses, and within, uh, within that, they have three children's villages. So there's lots of orphans at the time in Uganda. They were, they were orphaned due to the AIDS epidemic and through war and so on. And, and this church really took it upon themselves to start looking after them and placing them in the family on the village where, with brothers and sisters and the mother and so on. And uh, they, they give them education and, and they, they, they love them and they, they train them on all of these kind of things. But Watoto also has 180 acre farm which feeds the villagers. They look after 4,000 neighborhood mums where they, where wow. they literally teach them in educational programs and they yeah. have trauma rehabilitation, business skills and income generation activities. And they also do a Keep a Girl in School project where they give, uh, I think it's like 12,000 girls sanitary products to make sure they stay in school to get an education so i was i was just blown away by like wow this church is really impacting their local community and their nation and um they'd started this uh this thing over there called worship academy where basically the kids on the village would hmm. sing in church and so on so after a week of hanging out with james she said what can you do to help and i was like i haven't got a clue because i was so overwhelmed by by what i'd seen and by what happens when people mobilize themselves to make social change and make a difference you know? So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll, um, I'll teach the bass player from, uh, from the UK online. So I was still working at the university and then 
one 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 hour a week i would go to my shed i painted the walls of my shed white i bought some of these lights which i'm using here from ebay just to make it look like a like don't worry i'm not in my shed now but like a white yeah. background and uh i taught him for a whole year and after a year i gave him the curriculum and i gave him all the all my teacher notes and he started teaching 11 other base students at the church and i was like oh that's interesting so by teaching him you're kind of empowering him then to be able to start teaching others and so on yeah so so uh, about the same time i met uh met my really good friend and business partner sam gibson who's uh who's just down here as well uh sam is a grammy award-winning mix engineer uh in in the area of worship he's uh he, wow. it's amazing some of the music that and some of the, the clients that he works with and and i was mm -hmm. talking to him about this and he said well listen he said you know i'll give you give you some studio space move out of the shed come down and come down here and we'll and we'll start going so the creative lab academy was born so it was me teaching one bass player and then after a year i thought well how else can we develop this and how else can we can we impact some of the musicians over there so employed a drummer a guitarist a keys player and a vocalist and we did that for a year and then the year after that we thought how can we expand this a little bit further so so now we engage with 23 tutors from the uk and usa and we teach all of the instrumental streams we also teach improvisation film theory storytelling script writing songwriting uh, we teach Adobe, we teach Ableton, we teach Mainstage, we teach Logic, we teach social media strategy and so on. So we've got these 23 tutors who teach these guys at Watoto uh, every single week. So we've got tutors from Nashville, from California, Colorado, uh, London, Cardiff, Newport and Nice. There we go. So it's quite, it's quite, a, it's quite a mix of, uh, wow. a mix of tutors. Any of the people that we've mentioned have been involved in this, like Simon or Dion, these kind of people had any involvement in this at all? Or? Simon teaches us, Simon teaches for us. He teaches uh, music, some music industry lessons to some of the guys out there. And he also, uh, he runs improvisation class for us. So he has run an improvisation class for us as well. Yeah. And then I use lots of the guys that I've toured with and played with, um, you know, over, mm. over the years as well from, from that church scene as well as, as well as that. So, I mean, that's fantastic, John. By the way, I remember you telling me, you know, oh, Steve, I'm off to do something else. You know, you've done something quite significantly else, haven't you? And um, well done. I'm really pleased for you. Um, you've got a nice looking bass behind you, which we can't really, on, in this capacity, uh, we can't, we won't get a good sound out of, but I'm sure you do when you do your stuff. Um, if you were teaching me how to play bass, you know, it was, was that sort of ground up. Do they need to be sort of intermediate? Does it, does it matter? Or? Yeah, so, well, well, so what? You mean in terms of Watoto? Yeah, I mean, when the yeah. stuff that you do, the teaching that you do, is it a particular client you kind of work with, or does it, you know? Yeah, so basically, what I tend to do, what we've kind of come to the agreement is that we'll teach some of their principal musicians because they're they okay. record, they've got oh. a studio, they record, they tour all over the world, hmm. they do lots of collaborations with some really famous people. You know, they're they're the real deal in that respect. So I, so I kind of teach some of their their principal musicians, and then they start teaching others. So we go through two twenty four week semesters. Uh, sorry, two twelve week semesters, twenty four wow. weeks, and then we give them all the teacher notes, give them all the curriculum, and they start writing their own relative to the students that they're teaching. So if they're okay. uh, if they're complete beginners, they've got beginners material. If they're if they're advanced, they've got advanced material, and so on. So, mm. so that's basically how how we do it. And what about the I don't know how does it kind of how does it pay for itself? Is it like a subscription thing, or how, how does that work? No, uh, basically, Creative Lab uh, Academy is contracted to Watoto, and hmm. we engage with all the tutors on their behalf to get them as much training as possible to uh, to make sure that they're able to build up their own educational programs and all their online content and so on. I mean, coupled with the online teaching, we also I go out there four or five times a year. I call it my second home. I absolutely love it out there. And we go out there four or five times a year where we teach in creative weeks. We do songwriting, we do mm. teach the band, we do instrumental lessons and so on. So, but yeah, we still, uh, we still get to do that. Are, are you a well-known figure there, in, are you? Are you well, a legend? There's not, there's not many middle-aged, fat, ginger, six-foot-two, Viking-looking blokes walking around Kampala, so I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> I'm noticeable. Guy at security at Kampala Airport. Uh, sorry, Entebbe Airport. He said, "You, you were here not so long ago, right?" Said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, you're not in terms of security, well. guys. You know, you, you, yeah. <laughs> Things are prob probably probably uh, developing. 
but um were toe-toe church is it kind of a well-known kind of worldwide kind of phenomenon is it an unusual in that way so basically with total churches is based in uganda it's based yeah, in kampala yeah. but the reason they're known across the world is because they send choirs out all over the world and these mm-hmm. these choirs tour and they perform at churches and they they go around uh playing at churches and different venues and so on all around the world so they, they mm-hmm. can send out up to six choirs a year to different parts of the world to different continents where they where they perform so so i remember um when when you were doing the the uh masters by research that we were talking about earlier um and i remember you showed me some of the content and, and it was obviously it was from the states you know so is there a difference in terms of it might be a different none of you if you can even answer this but we when we were looking at this the kind of content from the states i remember we were, we had this conversation about um kind of spirituality and sort of connections with audiences and reactions and this kind of stuff if you remember yeah. was it is there any difference at all in the sort of you know um style or substance of kind of the african kind of spiritual oh, yeah. community and the american at all i don't oh, 100%. know 100 yeah i yeah. think I think there's a tendency for some churches to see to go and find the biggest church in the world and maybe copy and mimic some of that. But what what's interesting about it, like communities generally, churches have their own DNA. They have their own their own distinct their own distinct features. And for me, Watoto is definitely different, say, to a mega church in the states or a mega church in Australia. It has its own flavor, its own its own style of worship. It has its own priorities in terms of hmm. how it does church and so on. So. So 100 percent. And one of the things that we do is um, we, we teach basics and then we ask them to formalize them so they're relevant to the region of the world that they're in. Because, you know, I don't profess to know everything about African music. That's for sure. And when they play it, I mean, I'm always like blown away. I love it. I love jamming with them over it because I'm always learning. Myself. I bet. Yeah. But yeah. when it comes to basic techniques, then they tend to they tend to ride across all of those different cultural differences. How they're actually played is relevant to the area that we Oh, I've lost you, John, now. Um, oh. You still there, John? It's absolutely, it's mind-blowing. It's one of the best things I've ever done. I can hear you, but I can't see you. You've, you're, you're, you've, you've frozen. Can you hear me? No. John? Oh, man. Hang on. Encrypted. Recording. Pause. What about if I um, give him a fucking call? From there. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Um, just so you were saying. Do you remember exactly what you were saying? You were talking about Watoto and you were talking about um, kind of how you work with um, you kind of from a startup point of view. I think you were saying about you have like, like a, a strategy and then they take it where they take it, more or less, what you were saying, I think. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. There we go. How's that? Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's not. You're a bit quiet, but it's okay. Okay, I can turn up a bit. How's that? It's a bit better, yeah. Is that better, like that? I think I think so. <laughs> so I, um, I can't remember where we were, to be honest. I no, me. I'm just trying to remember where you were. You were just going into something quite interesting. But I think you were saying, basically, saying about. Um, I'd asked you about differences between sort of the African kind of uh, uh, church scenario and and the big American kind of you know more. Yeah. Almost, almost. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were talking about, um, yeah. Each church has its has its own DNA, so to speak. So, yeah, yeah. Rather than replicate what other churches do, one of the things that we're that Watoto undertakes, but something that we absolutely try and feed into, is to be able to empower them to create their own sound and their own their own DNA based around their own community. Because obviously, it's a different church to mega churches in America and Australia. What is the difference, though, in terms of how the church operates? Is it, is, it, is it to do with kind of a sensibility? Is it to do with like an interpretation? How, what's the difference between what these guys are doing in Africa and what's happening in these big kind of churches in the States? Yeah, I think different less. churches have different emphasis, which come from leadership. I mean, you find that with local church in Cardiff as well. And, and one mm. thing that Watoto is massive on is 
is uh, looking after widows and orphans, for instance. Uh, you don't get that in every other church, but that's okay because other churches might be dealing with, with the homeless and with, with bigger social justice issues and so on. So I think different churches have different emphasis. And I also think it's about churches working with their community to meet the need of that community. Mm. Whether you have thousands of orphans due to the AIDS epidemic and due to war in the middle of America uh, is, is probably unlikely, but it doesn't mean that there aren't problems which, which churches in the States are also pouring into and you know, yeah. becoming, becoming the guardians of those people at the same time. So, so different churches have different outputs. I mean, you know, from a, from a Christian point of view, everyone worships the same God without a shadow of a doubt and some of those fundamentals don't change. But I think how people do church can vary from, from continent to continent and from church to church for sure. So, I mean, as a musician, like when you're playing with, when you're playing with Sean and, you know, um, Service and Pepper and his, they're all different, they're all kind of different animals, really. Yeah. How important, if at all, is your kind of spirituality, if you like, within your, your kind of playing? Is it, is it something that's always with you or are you sometimes just in that zone as a musician? I, I don't know. Yeah, so this is, this is a big one, actually. It's funny enough, yeah. we were talking about this not so long ago, about creativity. What yes. A creative person yeah. with, a, with a faith. Yes. Now, from my perspective, and I know not everyone will agree with this, but from my perspective that all creativity is, is given to people to, yeah, to use to worship God. Now, I know, that, I know that's a broad statement. Some people choose to use it to make money. Some people choose to use it to make fame or to have fame. Some people choose to use it to gain influence and power. But some people, I think the true nature of creativity as a believer is to use it to, to glorify God. So for me, whether I'm playing with, with Sean or whether I'm playing a jazz gig or whether I'm, for me, I still give it my best. I still give it my all because I realize that, that what I have and what I've got was, was instilled in me to, to fulfill that life that, that I believe that I've been called to. So whether I'm playing with Sean or whether I'm playing in church, I still, I still treat it as the same thing, even though the output is slightly different. So that's a very personal philosophy, isn't it? Uh, it's of, a personal of your, philosophy, Because yeah. <laughs> obviously, you know, there are a lot of creative musicians who have no faith or no ostensible Absolutely, faith but, at all. But it, doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't detract from that because no. they're still being super creative in what they're doing. I yeah. think sometimes the, it's whatever you hang your purpose onto, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's my personal belief. That's uh, that's not yeah. uh, that's not a generalization. <laughs> but which, which which you've obviously thought about a lot, though. I think you you know it's something which you you, you do consider your kind of um, uh, kind of ethos, don't you? You can't consciously live what you do. I think. Yeah, for me, for me, it's life. Life's an adventure. Yeah. And 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 how people live out adventures is different quite often. And like I said, for me, it's about striving to become everything that I believe. God calls you to be and for me that's about putting him first in everything that I do I know that if uh, that maybe maybe if I just settled for the comfort I could have I could have a Volvo and a nice house and a, and a career and so on but I didn't really want to settle for that I just want to like you said previously I just want to live life to the full and just to, mm. to have as many firsts as I can and to uh, to achieve everything that I've set out to do so with um, uh, I've come across something called On Song. Have you tried On Song? You know On Song? Uh, no. I, I mention it because it's it's an interesting one. It's it's a, it's an app. It's a, it's a music kind of app where you can basically off your phone or or iPad or whatever you can just call up the chords and you, you can edit and play the music. Mm-hmm. So I use it as a musician, and lots of musicians are using it. But guess where it came from? It came from the church. It's a, it's a really big thing in the states is this on this on song app you know and and it's kind of interesting that that has uh you know christianity and, and spirituality and, and religion i suppose in, in in some ways has had that influence on people just making music which is kind of nice you know it is and i think i think i mean not not to talk too much about history but i think uh Quite often, the church was the leader in lots of these things, and in the last few, you know, last few hundreds of years, as in the case, it's very much copied culture rather mm. than necessarily led culture. And I think there are some shifts in that. I mean, you take some some churches around the world, and they literally create stuff just to give away. You know, it's not it's not about making money. It's not about creating platforms. All of that. It's about giving things away for free. And I think, I mean, you know, the more people that create, the better. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, so if on song, um, you say it's the chord charts, right? Isn't it? It's yeah. It's it's yeah, it's. I know a, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah, setlist. It's like one of those apps that just allow you to create mail to play music. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's. Uh, I think that there's lots of people 
uh, giving away lots of stuff for free, which I think is absolutely amazing. And I think the church is the church is certainly part of that process, you know. Yeah, on song is on song is free. You know, you can you can you can pay for a more groovy version of it, but it does the trick for me, you know. But my, my limited number of chords is fine. The accessibility that people have to be creative mm-hmm. and to to make and 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 to be creative and to to make things up from scratch and all that it's just it's just amazing. I just wish I had that when I was younger, you know. But then on the flip side of the coin, I'm grateful for the uh, the background that I did have in terms of. In terms well, of the yeah. Well, the one thing you had, which is which is you know which you just literally can't buy, is you had a really supporting uh, parent who wanted you to be creative and make music. You know that is just yeah, yeah. brilliant, isn't it? It is, and I and I don't take I never take that for granted. But I try, I you know even when I teach students and so on, I just it's just trying, trying to have the same attitude. That's what you want to do with your life, then you should do it because you don't need to settle for mediocrity. You don't need to settle for second best. You need to you need to do what you want to do because you only live once, right? So just yeah. make the most of it and be be as happy as you can doing it. <laughs> How, it's, and again, maybe a bit of a tricky one, but I I'm guessing that as uh, like a Christian musician. You know, you you must get a lot of negativity from people uh, all the time about that, and sort of questioning, you know, your faith and why you believe it and why it matters. So, if we kind of transcend Christianity to a certain extent, sort of slightly turn it on its head. Yeah. What about um, as a musician and a songwriter and a communicator and a singer and maker of music? What about this thing called kind of spirituality and you know, how about that as a thing that matters? Oh, I, I think the two, the two are, for me, are really closely linked. I mean, I remember, uh, where was I? I can't remember what, I don't know if it was a Coldplay concert or something, and I'm, I'm standing there watching it and, it, and it does, it feels almost like a spiritual experience. I mean, you can laugh at Coldplay, but when you have 80 or 90,000 people singing along and waving yeah. their hands and all of those things at the same yeah. time, it's not a million miles removed from what happens in church at the same time. So there's definitely something that moves, and I think without a shadow of a doubt that creatives whether they have a faith or not, are definitely tapping into a spiritual side of, of, of mankind, so to speak. Without a shadow of a doubt, I think it goes hand in hand. Yeah. Um, at the, just to mention, by the way, as well, as a couple of other, uh, you've probably not visited the Keep Cardiff Live site yet, but when you do, you'll find Simon Kingman and Ruben are, uh, are going to be on there. And Brilliant. also... Um, awesome. Martin Joseph, is, 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 oh. we've done lots of stuff Martin with Martin. Martin Joseph is, uh, he's absolutely fantastic. He's absolutely, he's, he's one guy who, um, yeah, he's, I've, I've been following his career for, for years and I've been to see him loads of times and it's always an absolute pleasure to, uh, to go and watch him. Yeah, for sure. Cause I mean, his, his journey again, you know, he, he was originally seen as being, you know, performing in churches and being a kind of a, a Christian, uh, singer songwriter, but I think he's kind of more rounded than, than, than that now and he do, i don't think he likes to be kind of pigeonholed as, as that you know i'm without really want to speak for martin i've got a little time for martin but yeah. i think again it's a kind of goodness and spirituality and willingness to share and just to do the good stuff comes through with him uh, he's, he's i went actually wait i first saw him in church actually many moons ago and um yeah and he's just he just brings that same passion every time i've been to see him you know he's uh He's one guy I think oh, I'd love. I'd love to play in his band. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's a real he's a real legend in my eyes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's a he's great. He's really great. He he just recently released a song which was obviously about the kind of uh, the COVID nineteen thing, and uh, it's called "When We Get Through This." So you you should maybe maybe check that out. But Absolutely. when we recently interviewed him a couple of weeks ago for for Keep Cardiff Live, and uh, he um, he we talked about having a band. And he's, he said, well, I kind of done quite well as a solo musician, really, you know. Well, exactly. He doesn't need anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it'd be a different thing altogether, wouldn't it? Him, him, him with a band. He's awesome. Um, John, what's the, what's the future for you then? How's this thing going to grow? And you know, wh- wh- where do you see it all going? Uh, is there any sort of thing you want to promote? Or any, how do we get in touch with you, et cetera? I mean, the Creative Lab Academy, we still continue to grow that. We still continue to work with, uh, with Watoto. You can check both of those out at uh, creativelabacademy.com, watoto.com. You can check out the amazing work that, that church is doing uh, in, in East Africa and, and beyond, so to speak. Uh, still, still playing and, and gigging. And Tommy got dates. Uh, obviously, most of the gigs are on hold, yeah. uh, safe to say. And uh, we've got uh, some UK dates coming up with Sean and some dates in, in Holland and Europe 
the beginning of next year as well. But um, but yeah, I've got some got some interesting projects coming up. One with Simon, with some local singer songwriters, and uh, and also one with uh, with my old friend Elliot Bennett as well. We'll be doing some online teaching. Of course, Elliot. Yeah. 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 So we so we're we're plowing into that as well at the same time. So yeah. So it's good. I'm enjoying. It. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to what you came up with as well. And if there's anything you you want to you know you want us to kind of work with you on and promote and you know share for you, then by all means, yeah, thank uh, you very much. Give us a shout. I thought one final thing I'd ask you before. Thanks very much, by the way, for your time. It's great to talk to you, and um, well, you. you know, hopefully, we'll meet physically at one point. You can buy me that coffee, you or me, or whatever, or maybe. <laughs> but, probably more than one, Steve. <laughs> but um, we we said, you know, before we start to record this, when you worked at the, you know, you worked at the University of South Wales, and that now you're doing this, and this this is great. But one of the things I'm sure it'd be the same for me as and when, you know, I, I'm no longer there. Uh, it's the people, you know, it's, it's about the people. And, um, you know, I think that this, it, I suppose it's the same at any university. I just happen to know these people, people like Paul Carr, you know, uh, a, a spring, spring to mind, I suppose, top notch academic, wonderful musician, uh, all around lovely guy. And I think he's also, I think had some connections with Matoto church over the years. Or yeah, if I'm not he teaches, wrong. Uh, he's, he's taught some theory for creative lab Academy online. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know whether there's any kind of your thoughts on, uh, you know, a message to your former colleagues or whatever, or, you know, looking back on it, things you particularly enjoyed about being there? Yeah, I think um, it's, you know, in terms of, in terms of my educational academic career, I think there was some, there was a, there was a window working at the University of South Wales, which was absolutely one of the best times of my life. I, I can safely say that I never woke up thinking, I've got to go to work, you know, that, ne- that never actually happened. And uh, I've worked with some absolutely amazing people. Our one office was very, very uh, loud and, and raucous, but it was just filled, filled with laughter and joy, basically, throughout pretty much the whole day. I think you probably heard us down the corridor. So I absolutely miss all of those guys from university, genuinely as well. And uh, I made some friends there, which, uh, which I'm super fond of. And uh, I look back and uh, really miss working with them, that's for sure. But, you know, life's about firsts and life's about adventures sometimes. So I definitely want to keep in touch with all those guys as we as we move forward into new seasons and so on. So yeah, just to say a massive hello to them all. Miss you guys. That's nice. And of course it's, it's good that we can do things like this, you know, where we, where we can still uh, connect, you know, and still yeah. work with each other and collaborate. Cause I should say collaboration is, I know it's close to your heart and it's certainly close to mine. Absolutely. Anyway, John, thank you very, very much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you again. Stay happy and jolly and, you know, enjoying life and doing all the <laughs> stuff. Right. <laughs> good luck with everything and I, 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 hope much, it, I hope i'll send you a version and i really hope we get to meet each other at some point you know when all this is through i definitely buy you that coffee no worries brilliant cheers john thanks a lot man cheers. thank you bye-bye.